0: Welcome to Sparking Action. This is a podcast that showcases ordinary people creating extraordinary lives through the power of inspired action. My name is Vera Ilnitsky, a marketer, life coach, and passionate advocate for healthy and active living. In Sparking Action, I have informative and inspiring conversations with people who have taken and are taking bold action to change their life, reach amazing goals, make a positive impact on the world, and create success on their own terms. My intent is to create a supportive space that inspires, informs, and motivates, because I truly believe that learning from others can spark our own inspired action to create positive change, reach our goals, and gain momentum for better living. Sometimes failure or hitting rock bottom can be the biggest blessing in someone's life. My guest today is Yana Reed, and in our conversation, she shares her story of personal failure that has led to a huge shift in how she defines happiness, how family has become her number one priority, and how she has deepened her friendships through opening up about her own struggles. We also talk about her journey as the founder and CEO of Puppers Select, a raw dog food company, and how her business has helped strengthen her relationship with her husband and daughter. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Hi, Yana. Welcome to Sparking Action.
1: Thank you, thanks for having
0: me. I'm super excited to have you here. We reconnected earlier this year after I think nine or 10 years of not really being in contact. And so I know you've had quite the journey. In November, 2019, you started a business and I'm so curious you know, how that journey is going for you, especially now during the pandemic.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I, I took over my business in November of uh, 2019 from an old business partner. So I absolutely love dogs. I was in sales and marketing for about 15 years. And then kind of like that natural transition happened where I have a daughter, I have a family and I was traveling to Montreal, Vancouver. I mean, I I probably spent about two weeks out of the month just traveling and in hotel rooms. And then my daughter was getting once kind of like she hit grade one. She really noticed that I wasn't around and she was kind of like, mommy, where are you? Like, why are you never home? So I just kind of realized of, you know, I really do have to make a change and I started kind of thinking like about two years ago that I needed to make a transition and then I had this opportunity to come up with raw dog food so I met uh, my old business partner and he kind of had the business going but he wasn't really interested in the actual business itself so when I met him we ran it together for a couple of months and then we kind of realized it wasn't a good fit so I bought him out Uh, and then yeah as of November 2019 it became mine. which was amazing and then kind of um it took us by a little bit of a surprise when obviously like covid hit the good thing about it was that we already had an e-commerce platform built in so it didn't really affect us that much we didn't have to have to pivot the way that the other businesses did so mm-hmm. you go onto our website you put in your order and then we do deliveries and i think april was probably one of our best months because of exactly of everything that was happening people didn't want to go to stores so e-commerce became I just kind of like a very natural way of doing business. And ever since then, like we've had, we've done quite well over the pandemic, mainly because of that reason of we've really promoted ourselves as, you know, no contact. Um, and, you know, it's, it's been kind of the savior to have our e-platform. What have you learned about running your own business? That, that's a great question. So when I first took over my business, when I first wanted to do the transition, I've always considered myself. As a really good salesperson, and which I am, I'm a good salesperson, but that doesn't automatically translate into being a really good business person. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times we don't put those two things together because sales is sales, but business has things like legal fees, lawyers, and there's accounting involved, and cash flow, and budgets, and taxes, and CRA, and all of this other stuff that you don't actually think about. So for me, when I first took over my business, I think that was what really hit me right off the bat was I went, oh, wow, um, I know nothing about running a business. So I was lucky enough that in Calgary, we are, uh, and in Edmonton as well, in Alberta, ATB offers these um, accelerator uh, programs for three months. So I was lucky enough to get accepted into that. And they kind of give you like a very crash course into how to run your business. And that kind of saved me. A lot of just going. okay well if I need legal help I can go here or if I need help with accounting I can go here but even um, they spent one entire day just on cash flow on how to do your like monthly statements and I mean I know it sounds like it should be fairly simple but it's really not when you have you know like you need to figure out your accounts and taxes and where should money go and all of this and payroll and um, so yeah I was lucky enough that that part of it I really had a lot of help with it and another amazing resource was the Alberta women entrepreneurs. They really showed up. They kind of um, held my hand by helping me do my business plan and really showed up financially as well. I like at a time when I really needed them. So those two resources were kind of my main way of helping me learn how to be a business person, which I'm still learning. I don't think you ever know everything, but I'm, I'm kind of learning as I go.
0: So did you make a point of reaching out for these resources or did they just show up for you?
1: A little bit of both with ATB. uh, I mean, I did my banking with ATB. So somebody like one of the bankers, had just kind of like in conversation had said, you know, we do offer these these programs if you're interested. So then what they ask you is they ask, um, you have to make a video and then they kind of look at it and then they pick, you know, like a handful of people for every program that they have. So, I mean, I applied and then it happened, but I mean, the transition was very natural. And and I think you and I have spoken about this before is that when you're on the right path and you make the right decisions for yourself, these kind of resources, they just show up on your way and it just becomes very organic and very easy uh, in how to access them. So ATB kind of showed up and then I I had a friend who just told me about Mm -hmm. uh, AWE. So it's a little bit of both. You do kind of have to put in the work and reach out for them but they're there and then, you know, when you're on the right path of of your own journey, um, it's easy. It just kind of, it seems like it's just so seamless.
0: Hmm. But it's definitely putting yourself out there and being intentional
1: about it. You have to. Yeah, you have to. Because what's that, you know, that movie that I think every all of us have seen it, Eat, Pray and Love, you know, about like you want to win the lottery, but you have to buy a ticket. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's kind of like that. It's that easy. You just buy a ticket and then you have a chance at least. Right.
0: And then you and I were also talking about, you know, connections and reaching out for help and just surrounding yourself with really good people that support you. So tell me a little bit about your support network and who you've met along the way so far on your business journey.
1: I've always had really great women in my life. Even when I was with sales and marketing, I kind of have a very, I was raised by two very strong women, my mom and my aunt. So I kind of have a I'm naturally drawn to strong women. Mm-hmm. Um, when I decided to do my own business, I have a network of, of women entrepreneurs now that I reach out to constantly. You know, it's kind of that thing of like, I'm not the f- first woman entrepreneur. I don't have to reinvent the wheel. And when you don't have to do that, I just, I follow the lead of all these amazing women that have come before me. And they're kind of like the pioneers. And then I get to kind of accept all of like the fruits of that, of understanding of, They've already done this. There's nothing that I have done. And even failing success, like whatever it is I do, I know that I can reach out to, and I have two women specifically that I do reach out to quite a bit. Phoebe Fung, who owns the Vin Rooms in Calgary, and then Dogma, uh, Megan Stanley. So those two have been very crucial in just kind of helping me keep my sanity and just like laughing about stuff, getting together, even just having drinks or lunch together and just talking about our day. Uh, It really does help you. And then my biggest kind of support besides for um, my, my entrepreneur network is my husband. He's been with me for 20 years and he's seen me fail, do well. Um, and I trust him. I trust his judgment. When he says something, I know that he means it. So I've been lucky enough to also have his support. And, and he is, you know, like a little feminist in that sense of he lets me do whatever I need to do. And he just is there to hold me if I fall and to push me, to just keep on going.
0: Talk to me a little bit about failure and what that means to you and what you do when you do
1: fail. Failure comes in many different ways. It can be personal failure. It can be business failure. I think I had hit a moment of extreme failure, which made me change my whole life. Um, I had a great job in sales and marketing. I really enjoyed it. I mean, I am I had a great salary. I had a really a great expense budget. Life was great from the outside. But I think when on the inside no one really knows what's going on like in your head and you know my marriage was a little bit on the rocks my relationship with my daughter was you know it wasn't really that great because I wasn't around um I was missing Mother's Day events I was missing her Christmas concert things like that and and I think inside rather than it like admitting it I was kind of drinking my way through it Mm -hmm. so on December 23rd four years ago um I I was having drinks with a client at a Christmas party and I wanted to, my car was on the street and I wanted to move it because I didn't want to get towed the next day. So I wanted to move it into the parking lot in the visitor parking spot. So I thought, you know, I'm okay. I'll just move it. It's it's two seconds. I'm I'm just going to literally go half a block and, and put it in there. So I managed to do that, but I wanted to make myself a little bit more straighter and The irony about it is that I shared a parking lot with the police station um, downtown in Calgary. And as I was like straightening myself out, I hit a cop car. I mean, I literally bumped into him and he noticed, I mean, there was no damage. Like that's how small it was. There was no damage. There was nothing, but obviously he noticed, he came to my door, obviously. I mean, I had been drinking, Um, but it wasn't even that like something so Like profound happened to me in in that moment. I didn't even realize that I had these issues, but my mind went somewhere completely different, and I lost all control. And it was almost like having like a panic attack, but to a point of I'm from Afghanistan, and there's just a whole lot of issues there that I never thought that were an issue until that day. And this cop comes right in beside me, and my panic attack, and my mind just went back to Afghanistan, and I forgot where I was, and who I was, and what I was doing, and I just lost my mind. I have no memory of it. I completely blacked out. The next thing I remember is opening my eyes in this white room. And there was nothing in this room but me. And I think there was a chair and a table there. I can't remember, but it was just white and a door and just losing my mind over it to um, that panic and that everything just came back. All those feelings came back. And I, I started pulling my own skin, like my knees, the skin off of my own knees. I mean, it was such a a traumatic event to a point where I think I spent months after that, just kind of being really introspective of going, what happened there? Like, who is this person? And where did this, all these emotions come from? So that was kind of like a really, really low moment for me. And I think that was my transition moment of, of going, you know, failure, like for me, I've realized no business failure can ever be as extreme or as traumatic as that personal failure was to me. And that was a moment where I think there was a lot of shame involved in it. And there was a lot of embarrassment, obviously. But the biggest thing I learned from that is that it's okay to admit that you have, and especially with mental illness, like we all talk about it. It's, it's okay to admit it. It's okay. But I mean, I was going around telling everyone it's okay to admit it, but I couldn't even admit my own until it really had to hit me in the face to a point of I had to physically harm myself to understand of what I was hiding um, underneath. So that was a big transition moment for me of like a personal failure um, of really, and then that's when I put myself into therapy for a year. And I really dived into what is going on, which kind of gave me the courage to understand, you know what, it's okay to leave my secure job and my secure of everything that I have here. And I have to do something different because what I'm doing here, it's not working for me. And that was kind of the moment of my own personal, of my personal rock bottom to understand of, okay, it's, it's, it's time to make a change. It's time to, and then therapy really kind of helped me over a year to understand what kind of changes I needed um, and exactly where these deep feelings were coming from and why I had bottled them so deep down. So that I say would be that every time when anyone says failure, like to me, my mind goes there because I don't think I've ever had anything more traumatic of where I personally felt like a failure. But now, I mean, you and I have talked about this before. I don't look at it as a failure anymore. I look at it more as like, thank God. It was one of those blessings in disguise because it was that little bump that I needed to say, okay, you're on this course. It's not going well for you. You need to change it. And then after, if, if you don't accept this bump, it's going to be like, you're going to hit something really like the universe will bring something major in your way at that point. So it's really important. I think it was after that, that I realized you have to listen to the signs in your life and you have to look at the little signs in your life and go, what is this telling me? Am I supposed to be doing this? Am I on the right path? And it's okay to not be on, on the right path. And just, and at different times in our lives, we have different priorities and it's okay to be on different paths and choose that.
0: Wow. Thank you very much for sharing that. I know that's difficult and it was a really low point in your life and thank you for being so vulnerable and for being so open. I think that will really resonate with a lot of people that are listening right now. So I love the fact that you don't consider that a failure anymore and you're considering it a lesson. What else have you learned from that experience for yourself?
1: I've learned to, and this sounds very cliche and I think everyone says it, but it, like for me, it really did take to actually understand it Family does come first. For years and years and years, I considered, I just always just assumed that my family would be there. I didn't think they would. I mean, I just, to be honest, I just didn't give it that much thought. I thought, oh, you know, I'm married. I have a child, I have a house. You know, this is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. I have a career. But it didn't really occur to me what family really means and the support that they give you. And that whole experience, what happened was I felt so alone. And the only people who knew the truth and who really held me was really my husband who, and I think our marriage really went from a place of being quite rocky. And this sounds silly, but it was one of the best things that could have happened to my marriage because I became very vulnerable to my husband. I forgot that I had put up these walls that even to my husband, I, I just never admitted anything was wrong. I never wanted to tell him. I, at the time I was the only person working in our family. So we didn't have a, a dual household income. He was transitioning into becoming a, a real estate agent. So I just, I never wanted to burden him with, you know, I'm stressed about this, or, you know, I feel I don't want to do, I don't want to be in this career anymore. I, I need to make a change. And so we, we finally just had an open dialogue and, and we started talking about, okay, you know what? I'm not really happy doing this. But I also understand I can't change it overnight because we're a one family house or a one income household right now. So it just, it took us, we finally decided to come together as a team and actually come up with a plan so that two years later, after everything happened, I was able to have a plan and set to leave my old company um, and actually have my own business. But that took my family coming together and all of our resources and making sacrifices together. So that I think probably was my biggest other lesson was family really is everything, but you really have to experience it to really understand what that means. Because I think we all say that everyone says it, but doesn't really understand what that means. Mm -hmm. So my family really, um, I learned to appreciate them Mm -hmm. in a way that I had never appreciated them before.
0: Wow. And so how are you doing that now? How are you making sure that that appreciation and that family comes first in your life? Because obviously you're really busy with your business
1: and doing other things. Oh God, it's it's actually really fun. So when I first started my business, one of the things that I, my biggest goal really was to build my relationship with my daughter. One of the things that I really kind of found a little bit hurtful was um, when kids get hurt, when, when they're six, five or six, they get hurt. The first thing that any other kid would be like, mommy, mommy, and my daughter would be daddy, daddy. And she just really like, it's just, and it hurts, even though you know. But I mean, I understood why she wasn't doing it, but it still really hurts. So my goal was to kind of build that relationship where I did. I, I want. When she needed something, I wanted it to be me and not my husband. So one of the things that her and I, we started was we used to do farmer's markets together. So how I started my company was originally, we used to, obviously we did e-commerce, but part of my branding and part of doing my marketing was we used to attend a lot of events. So we, we did almost every farmer's market, every single day, we like we had one event at least that we would go to. We did things like Petapalooza, we would do um, the Edmonton... Um, the dog show, the Calgary dog show, the Red Deer dog show. So we did a lot of events together and it was kind of this time for my daughter and I to bond. So she would always come with me and hang out with me at the booths and we would talk to people or she would go and hand out. So she, I made her a part of the business. So any time that I worked, she worked with me. So work became this kind of thing that we spent time together instead of mommy being away. Mm-hmm. And so that really helped. And then same with my husband. So when we would go traveling to Edmonton, for example, for the Edmonton Dog Show, it was like a family thing. So then my husband would do it as well with me. So that really helped us like in that sense with the company. As in, it wasn't just my company, it was our family company. And then my daughter and I, um, now every week we have one day a week where we call it. Mommy daughter day. So we just do whatever she wants to do, whatever restaurant she wants to go, if she wants to order in, order out, whatever movie she wants to see. So that's something that we do every single week. And then she really has learned to open up. So like anything that's going on in school. And you cannot imagine how much drama there can be in grade one, two, and three. <laughs> <laughs> and we talk about her drama, what's going on in school and her classmates and, and what she's learning. And so it's, it's, it's. It's my favorite day of the week. We just hang out. That's awesome.
0: What else do you do to keep yourself motivated and in action and positive? One of the
1: biggest things that I've learned is exercise. Um, You have to, there's, um, I have a lot of anxiety and, and that's something I didn't really know about myself. It's just uh, through therapy because you have these feelings, but you don't know how to articulate that feeling. Like you don't have a name for it. You're like, I'm feeling kind of, you know, unsettled, but you don't know why. Or so I learned it was anxiety and you know, I have anxiety. So um running, I run almost every day. Usually I try to do between, I mean, just depending on the day, five to 10K a day, but it really helps my mind and it helps me calm down. And it helps me come up with, with kind of like my best thinking is done while I'm running. So I run a lot. And, you know, the other part is just, Playing board games with my family. So every Saturday night, uh, it is a dedicated family board night. We do that and exercise. But I will say that exercise has really kind of saved my mental health,
0: mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm.
1: rather than taking medication or anything. Um, running for an hour outside in like fresh air—it really does you wonders. Talk to me a little bit
0: about mental health and talking to your friends about it, because I think that's always like you were mentioning a bit of a challenge to be that vulnerable with your friends and maybe feeling a little bit of shame or feeling embarrassment. So when you did open up to your friends, what was that experience like?
1: God, it was, it was um, eye-opening. It was very eye-opening in the sense that I think I, at first, obviously, I didn't tell anyone. I was so ashamed. I couldn't even say the words of what had happened without having tears in my eyes. And it wasn't even that it happened. My biggest thing was I, I thought that I had let people down around me. I thought that I had let my mom down. I thought I, I mean, my mom had struggled through Afghanistan and all these great things. And then, you know, I went and I did this and, you know, it just, I was embarrassed. I was ashamed, even with um, the company that I worked for, just even admitting it to them. I was beyond ashamed. I thought I had let everybody down and I had all these responsibilities so I didn't say anything for about a year and then I did start opening up about it slowly and it, it was really enlightening to understand of how many people have been through the exact same thing that I've been but no one talks about it because it it's that everyone's so ashamed and so embarrassed but once I started opening up about it and talking about my own struggles with um, so part of my um, I guess you would call my sentence was that I had to admit that I had PTSD. And I had to agree to therapy for an entire year. And once I did that, then everything would go away kind of thing. Um, so, you know, like it also made me realize maybe our justice system is kind of like point on. Um, You know, I needed that help. I really did need that help. But I was, I also knew that I was never going to do it on my own. So I was forced into it, but that made me understand that I'm not the only person and talking about your mental struggles, is really important um so I started opening up to a lot of my girlfriends and even a lot of my clients at the time I would just talk to them about you know um I struggle from this or this and it's amazing how many more men and women who tell you and then they share their story with you and that almost and then over time like I think after so many people had shared their journey with me I realized that you know what I'm not ashamed anymore I'm not embarrassed anymore. It's okay. Like I can talk about this. I'm okay with my daughter finding out uh, about this when she's old enough. Cause this is part of my journey. And I learned, I learned a huge lesson from it. And if I hadn't learned from it, and if if I kept repeating it, then yeah, I understand. But um, it was probably my biggest learning moment of my life, at least in my, in my adult life Mm -hmm. of where I learned how, what I needed and who I was and And the fact that I needed help and to reach out and where could I ask for help. And then it also, it brought a lot of my relationships a lot closer together than they used to be. I realized that all of a sudden now I can relate to, especially my girlfriends on such a different level. Because once that conversation comes up about, you know, I went through this and I have PTSD, I do therapy. And then, you know, a lot of moms were sharing with me like about postpartum, that they would not, that they had, previously never talked about it. and then they would say well you know I don't have PTSD but I can kind of relate to you because I had a lot of depression like, at this stage and you know I mean there's thoughts about a lot of moms and it's insane how many women go through after having a baby of just going on medication or having or a lot of them don't even admit it um but just to talk about it and like the tears come out and you and just I it changes your relationship from a very superficial level to a much more deeper, meaningful relationship where you, if I'm having a bad day mentally, I can literally just call and say, I'm just not good today mentally. And that's a really great place to be when you have friends like that, that you can just say, I'm not doing okay, or I'm, I have anxiety or whatever it is that you're going through to, to share that with them, with them, without being embarrassed about it.
0: hmm how do you think as a society we can move more towards those authentic conversations and being more open with people
1: around us? It's simple. We just have to talk. It's it's such a simple statement, but it's true. We just have to talk. It's like conversations like this. Like you and I had not spoken for 9 years and then we got together, we spoke and I mean our conversation, you know, it really did, like we, we had a glass of wine and we got into like in depth about what you had been going through for the past nine years, what I have been going through, but that's just it. Like, I think we have to change our conversations and not worry about the stigma that comes with it of, oh, I've been through this. Well, if like, listen, if you share something that you've been through, I bet you 90% of the people out there have been through something similar. So it's so simple, but a conversation. Like, I think we just need to start talking about our mental health and just not being embarrassed. And I know that's easier said than done. I myself was so embarrassed for a year that I, I refused to even admit it to myself that this had happened. I wouldn't tell my family about it. Um, but now I'm very open about it. I've, you know, I mean, it still sucks to talk about it because you think, oh God, I was at such a low point in my life. But it's that simple as a society. I think if each individual, if every time we met up with a friend, we just asked that question, like, how are you? But really, how are you? And I mean, it sounds silly, but to say, how is your mental health? Like, how are you doing? Um, I I think that simple question, if you could answer it honestly, would change dynamics very quickly. And our friendships would change.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. And I don't think that's a silly question to ask. In fact, I think that's something I'd like to implement in my own life, because I think we just, we have the superficial, how are you? And everyone says, I'm busy, I'm fine. And then that's the end of the conversation. And we move on to, you know, whatever we're doing that day so I really appreciate and like that advice I think that's really crucial um and do you feel that during COVID maybe people have reflected a little bit more on that and have had a chance to be more
1: connected with their family and friends or not I would say and I'm not sure about others but one of the things I will say is that in my own life my family um I mean COVID was a terrible thing that happened to all of us but in a way The silver lining of COVID was for me and my family. It brought us so much closer together. We spent so much time in my kitchen, me, my husband, and my daughter baking cookies, making dinners together, uh, playing board games. We spent so much time together, going on walks as a family. Like it just, it brought us so much closer together. But then, also, I think the other part of it is that every Zoom call that we do with our families or with my friends, I think because a lot of the exterior has been taken off. Like we're not meeting in a restaurant, we can't really talk about the decor of the restaurant or the weather or whatever it is. You really go like, "Hey, how are you doing?" Up like, mm-hmm. by yourself, like how? So I think my conversations have gotten a lot deeper with my friends to that level of saying like, "How are you really doing?" Like, They're, they're very deep conversations that shows that you care about like someone else. But, and I think I've gotten to know people much better Mm. over the past a while, because when you take away all of the surface stuff, then you can't help, but talk about exactly what it is of, you know, how are you doing? I love your positive mindset. And I'm wondering
0: how you maintain that positivity every day.
1: It's a great question. You have to be grateful. You really do. I, and I know this sounds also very like stereotypical, but you just, I look at my bed sometimes and my two dogs are in my bed my husband's there and we have a King size bed and my daughter's there and we're watching a movie because we usually go to bed a little bit earlier and then just kind of like decompress in bed. And I just kind of look at them almost every night and just say a prayer and just go, thank you. Like, I don't need it. Like anything more in this life and just what's in this bed. <laughs> Just the mm-hmm. amount of love that's there and as long as you have that love in your life and i think i'm, I'm so blessed in fact I've, m- I've made so many mistakes but i've never lost the love that has been the core part of my marriage the, with my and, and now my daughter and even like with my dogs i mean there is a love there that they bring me so much happiness that is beyond of what i can tell you
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, so i think just appreciating what you have and i go back sometimes on my really bad days, I go back and I think about what, how I used to live. Mm. You know, I used to live this life where I think on the outside, everything looked so glamorous and so great. I was dying on the inside. Cause I really, I, I was not connected to anyone. I was not even connected to my own family. I was constantly traveling. Uh, my life was very superficial. And now I look at my life and all that glamor is gone now but I'm, I just, I feel happier. I don't need the glamour anymore. I just, I feel so connected with my own family and, and I feel loved by them. And I feel good enough that I don't need the exterior part of it anymore to make up for the fact of how empty I feel. Hmm. So what does happiness mean to you? You know, happiness, spending the day with my daughter and my husband and my dogs, that's lit- that's it. Like that to me is now happiness. I think One day spent of um, like usually on a Sunday, um, my daughter and my husband and the dogs, we usually go for like a long walk and then we come home and then my husband will will make dinner. And those are probably my best days of, of my entire life of just being connected. And I think, and you know, you don't have to be connected to a lot of people. I think if you just have two or three people in your life that you feel really connected with and, and really support it. Um, that said, and I think that's, that's sometimes all we all, any of us really need. But to me, happiness really has come um, family. Whereas, you know, like five years ago, Vera, I don't think I could have said that. I think five years ago, if you'd asked me what happiness meant, I would have told, given you a list of like um having this type of a car, having this type of a house, or my wants were very superficial and what I thought would, would make me happy. Mm-hmm. And once I got those things, they didn't make me happy. They actually made me very lonely. Hmm. And now happiness is just really simple. It's just watching a movie with my daughter and my husband, and then the dogs just being around us. That's it. That's happiness.
0: Wow. I can tell in your voice how happy you are. So that's amazing. (laughs) I really love that. So this podcast is called sparking action. What advice would you give people to help them create a spark of action in their own life?
1: Oh, goodness. Great question. One of the things that I regret is not making the change sooner. I worked at at my old company for about uh, 10 years and then before that at another company for five. And it's just in the last few years, I got very comfortable and I refused to change. I think just out of fear. Fear was holding me back. It would almost paralyze me because everything was going well. I mean, I was dying on the inside. But because everything else was going well, like financially we were doing well and, you know, on the outside it looked well and I was just so comfortable and I could do, I could just do the job in my sleep kind of thing. Like I was so comfortable that I think I waited about three years too long to actually make the change. Don't wait because mine really took me, I mean, it could have been so much worse. My rock bottom, it could have been so much more life altering don't wait for that rock bottom moment to hit. I knew three years before it happened that I was unhappy and I needed to make a change, but fear held me so down fear of what will my husband say? What will my family think? What if I can't run my own business? What if we lose our house? Like it's just all these other kind of things that hold you down. Whereas at some point you have to Take away the noise and take away the chatter and just do it. And you have to have that confidence in yourself. You really have to believe in yourself. Get rid of the chatter in your head and just do it. I waited three years too long and I almost paid a really heavy price for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it sounds so easier said than done. Just do it. Just do it. At some point, um, if, look, even if you fail, you have to look at things like your health and your mental health. And these are things that I never even considered at that time. I wasn't even mature enough to think about, oh, is my mental health uh, suffering? I remember I was in therapy and they gave me this list. My therapist gave me a list of feelings. And she said, every time you feel anything, look at this list and tell me what it is. And it sounds like such a simple task. I couldn't do it. I had no idea. I didn't really know what like what it felt like being sad or being happy. I was just, I was always in this constant state of just like, go, 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 go. I was either frustrated, tired. Uh, And I remember, I think those are the only feelings I ever like verbalized. It was, oh, I'm so frustrated or I'm so tired right now. But I never would say things like I'm angry or I'm sad or I'm hurt. Like just those words, I just didn't even think about those. So I think just do it. It's like what Nike says, just make the change. You have to just do it. There's no, no one else will make the change for you. My advice is take the plunge.
0: Wow. Well, this has been an amazing conversation. I'm feeling really inspired. And I, again, Yana, I want to acknowledge you for your vulnerability and your openness and for sharing your story. I think we need to hear these things, and I love your positive mindset. I love your definition of happiness and the simple pleasures in life, and I really admire and respect what you're doing in your business and with your family and with your husband and your daughter, and so thank you so much for being on my show. I look forward to following you in your journey and staying more connected, so let's not wait another nine years. Uh, I know we won't. We're going to continue having our deep, connected conversations. And I'm really grateful that we reconnected.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the conversation today. If you did, please share with someone who you think might enjoy hearing it. And if you have an idea for a future guest on Sparking Action, please connect with me. Also, I'd love to hear your feedback, comments and suggestions for the podcast. I look forward to connecting.